0: Down. Put,
1: put. Scott Prather, a football champion who once scored nine touchdowns in a quarter in Tecmo Super Bowl.
0: It's The Great Scott Show on ESPN
1: 1420 and ESPN1420.com.
0: Welcome back into The Great Scott Show, The Great Open Think Tank. If you're listening via the stream, the Listen Live Player brought to you by Champagne's Market and the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. As promised, joining me now, friend of the program, friend of mine, a U.S. Marine veteran and a man who has been on the beat covering the New Orleans Saints for the New Orleans Advocates slash TimesPicune, NOLA.com. You've read his stuff. You know who he is. He needs no introduction, but I'll give him one every time. Anyway, Mr. Luke Johnson joins us this morning. Good morning, Luke. How are you?
1: I'm doing great, Scott. How are you?
0: I'm good. I, I see via social media, you had some, uh, some crawfish recently. How were they?
1: Oh man, uh, those were maybe the best crawfish I've ever had. Uh, like, there was the third, there was three different pots, three people competing, and the third pot, I, I swear to God, the, the tails like melted like butter in your mouth. They were incredible. Uh, so, I, I'm I'm here for it. I, 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 I will continue you... eating crawfish like Ooh. that.
0: So you got to basically be like a judge it is that what you're saying or you just happen to be in yeah, the right were, place at were, the right time
1: they, I mean they were they were competing but not really you know uh-huh, uh-huh. there was three people cooking their own three separate recipes and they were joking about who was you know, having, having people judge who was going to make the best one but really we all we all won
0: well, I guess so. And knowing how serious you take your food, it was, it was not a jokey matter to you. I mean, hashtag Luke Eats, that is, that is a ser- that's serious stuff right there. Yeah, everybody knows that. Um, I was talking about, obviously, the biggest Saints story right now. Um, I kind of put that in quotes. Uh, and that is Kevin James being cast to play Sean Payton, which got social media and the Saints fan base going yesterday. First reported by Peter King. Um, what what's the I guess what was the funniest take or or reaction that you saw yesterday when that news came out?
1: <laughs> um, I had somebody text me and say that now they were just imagining Sean Payton playing Paul Blart Mall Cop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, every, everybody uh, seemed to have seemed to have a take on that, uh, and you know I, I think. It's a Happy Madison film, so really there was only going to be, like, four people who who would play the lead role, you know. It was either going to be Sandler, Kevin James, David Spade, or Rob Schneider.
0: And and you know that, like, like, so my my friends started saying, like, okay, Happy Madison, the question is who's going to play, like, some of the other characters. Now, I, you know, from what we've read, it's mainly going to be just about him coaching his son's sixth-grade team. But, you know, you figure Terry Crews will be involved somehow. Maybe they'll let him be Vilma. And Will Ferrell doesn't really work with Sandler much. He won't be in the movie. But it would be pretty funny to see Will Ferrell as like, even if it was just a cameo and it's a clip of like Greg Williams screaming in the locker room. And you just imagine yeah. Will Ferrell just, you got to take his head off, like the whole thing. I'd be like, I never thought anyone could make Bounty Gate funny. But, God, I would, I would laugh if that was the case. But I feel like... Look, you know what you're getting here, right? You're gonna have, um, you know, the coach drawing up all these crazy plays that don't make any sense to sixth graders. Then the camera will will cut to the kids being like, "Huh, what?" You know, whoever the head coach is of the sixth grade team, because Peyton was just an offensive assistant in the movie. It'll probably he'll probably have some line like, "Let's well, sit in the NFL, Sean. This here is you know the Texas Dallas County League. You better get it together." Um, probably have some fans that, you know, attended the Saints games that just show up on the sidelines, you know, like Norm McDonald and maybe Schneider and Spade and just yell stuff like you, you know what you're going to get here. That's one thing about a happy Madison production, cheesy as it might be anyone going into this expecting a lot of Saints material, I think might be disappointed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to
0: watch it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <But>. <laughs> just put it out there. I'd rather spend my time doing something else. I expect a full write-up yeah. and review by Look, Luke. Johnson. You just Come
1: nailed on. the entire. You just nailed the entire plot of I the movie and all, and all the little intricacies <laughs> of it. I, I don't need to see it now. Yeah, it has, it's, it's in pre-production,
0: it in and we uh, <laughs> and we and I should have given out a spoiler alert. But if anyone's paid attention, uh, anyway, Luke Johnson, I guess. So here, here is one tie-in, though. I think Mike Triplett pointed this out. Um, he said, you know what, if you were going to really cash on Peyton, and all, Frankie Munez, jokes aside, since he's, you know, s- still younger today than, much younger today than Peyton was in 2012, uh, Damian Lewis, who some folks know from Homeland or Billions, but who I know you probably know best from playing Richard D. Winters in Band of Brothers. You know what, I think yep. if you were going to do like a serious Movie about everything that unfolded, you know, in twenty twelve. I think he would be a great choice.
1: No, when he posted that on Twitter the other day, I was like, oh man, he really does kind of look like Sean Payton. Yeah, Uh, no, that was that would be a perfect one in a movie that I'd actually want to watch.
0: It's like he's, it's something about like clenching the jaws together, you know, like the the way the the cheekbones go in. Now, now this is the kind of stuff Luke and I do. We overanalyze things that only he and I care about. So. Let me um let me try to get back on track here and ask Saints related questions. Uh when Michael Lombardi reported uh, a few days ago that the Saints kicked the tires on Sam Darnold before uh, Carolina traded for him, were you surprised at all by that news?
1: No. No. Uh, they know how important the quarterback position is and um you know I, I don't think they're necessarily done uh this off season. At quarterback, if something happens that they were if a player falls to him that they really like, um, you know, if, if one of those top five guys fell all the way down into the 20s and they could make a move, I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Um, I just think um, they know how important that position is and uh, they're going to continue evaluating and and um, pulling the trigger if need be. You know, I, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I just think I think that with, with Drew being gone, they, they know they got to do everything they can to put themselves in the right position to have the guy in place uh, if they can. Yeah,
0: they're they're going to, yeah. you know, I'm sorry to cut you off. No, I, I mean,
1: maybe they can... They can go through this season and they, they say, okay, we're going to let Jameis and Taysom battle it out. And, uh, you know, if neither of them are the guy, they're both on one-year contracts and we can we can reset again in 2022. But I don't think they really want to do that. Their roster is pretty good right now. Um, and I think it's going to be a lot better after the draft when they shore up some of these holes. So I don't think they're they're in a position where they want to go. Uh, you know, eight and nine or whatever the new 17-game schedule records are going to look like and kind of be back in this position where they're starting over with a pretty talented roster just because their quarterback position is not set.
0: It, I, does, does this change your opinion in, in terms of whether or not they potentially draft a, a quarterback uh, in a couple of weeks?
1: I'm, I'm sorry, it hits it one more time. My, my dog was uh, barking at
0: It's all right. Tell him um, what's up. Just in terms of, I, I think I, I saw a lot of chatter after that news came out about maybe the Saints' approach to the draft. And you had a nice uh, piece up a few days ago about the, the pre draft meetings I'm going to ask you about in a minute. But what, what are the odds in your mind of the Saints possibly drafting a quarterback?
1: I mean, I think they will draft a quarterback. It's just, we're talking about when. And,. Yeah, I I think if if the draft plays out how a lot of people are expecting it to play out, where uh, yeah, those top five quarterbacks are probably gone in the first ten picks, first eight picks, um, then I I think you see the Saints kind of shift more toward their needs that they have right now, and uh, and then you know address quarterback later in the draft as somebody you know like Ian Book or something like that like a guy in the fifth sixth round um but if if they have a chance to to snag a guy they really like early in the draft and you know this all depends on who they like and and Sean Payton has said this before where if you're picking a quarterback like you've got to love the quarterback and it's and you can't be concerned about what anybody else thinks it has to be what you think about the guy um, so if there's a guy they really like, you know, maybe the Davis Mills, the Stanford Stanford quarterback in the second round or something like that, um, then you know they'll pull the trigger on him. And if they really love him, um, so I, I don't know, I I do think that they'll address it in the draft, but it, it I have a hard time seeing them doing it with their first pick, uh, just because of the odds of. Uh, People getting aggressive and, and getting those top five quarterbacks out of the way in the first uh,
0: eight picks or so. ESPN fourteen twenty and .com, Luke Johnson, our guest here on the Great Scott Show. I'm Scott Prather, uh, talking Saints football. Luke on the B covering the Saints. When when it comes to let, let me let me hit on a story you did a couple of days ago that I uh, that I read the um, the college film having been studied, the showcase games all done. Um, but this year being a little different, and, and COVID, and everything else, what did you learn? And you know, I don't. You know, folks that haven't read it, I'd, I'd advise you to go check it out. There's a nice list of players and uh, and other things regarding people the Saints have met with. But again, I know I asked you the surprise question a lot. But anything new or surprising that you learned when you were doing that piece about the Saints and their approach to the draft, whether it be this year or just in general?
1: Some of it wasn't surprising, right? Like, it, like I think they've first of all they've, they've done a lot of work. Like when you're looking at these uh, these lists on the internet of of who these teams have talked to, it seems like the Saints have talked to about twice as many as anybody else, um, and that makes sense because yeah, Jeff Ireland is yeah basically a, a second GM on this team. He's he's got his guys putting in the hours, um, so wasn't surprising and then you look at a a lot of the positions they're talking to they're talking to a lot of corners and a lot of linebackers um and you see that as kind of like these clear positions of need and you're like okay well that makes sense but then you start kind of breaking it down and looking at the hype of players that they're talking to um and i I think one of the more interesting ones is they were they were looking at receivers (laughs) who uh, all kind of fit the same mold. They're uh, big body guys. They were fast guys and guys who didn't necessarily produce at a high level in college. Um, so guys like Amir Smith, Marset at Iowa, uh-huh. uh, Anthony Schwartz at Auburn, who ran like a four two, six at his 40, uh, 40 yard dashes pro day. Um, I, you know, I, I think that's really interesting because I think that could signal a shift that's coming with this Saints offense that makes sense. Um, you know, they haven't needed to have a lot of burners at the wide receiver position lately because they, they haven't really needed to go over the top of the defense or they haven't been able to because of uh, Drew Brees' limitations. Um, but I think anybody who watched uh, the Saints offense before uh, Drew Brees hit the kind of twilight of his career remembers that it was a downfield vertical offensive attack and i think you can look at these players that they're looking at right now and talking to and say okay well this is probably coming back um with a a quarterback who's who's more physically capable of stretching the ball down the field and i think that's probably you know i think that they could look at one of those guys in the, the fifth six-round and just have them be that kind of one-trick pony in their offense where they're like, okay, you're our uh, our 2017 Ted game, and uh, we're just going to have you run those go-routes and and create some space
0: for everybody else uh, because they're worried about you hitting them over the top. Luke Johnson, our guest, ESPN 14. My final Saints question for you, Luke. What, in your mind, is the biggest need in terms of position? I think there's a maybe two or three places you could go with it. But in your mind, what do you think the number one need is right now when you look at the roster, the depth of each position, what they lost this offseason, which was, which was a good bit, where do you think they are most vulnerable at the moment?
1: Yeah, I think it's clearly corner. They have three guys on the roster right now who have real, legit NFL experience. Um, one of them is Marshawn Lattimore, who you know, it's obviously going to be a, a starting corner on one side. But the other two are uh, P.J. Williams, who's really just at this point his value is in his versatility. Uh, I don't think you'd want him lining up 16 games starting corner. And uh, Patrick Robinson, who's missed more games than he's played in the last three years. And, uh, you know, I, he filled in admir- admirably at the outside corner position last year, but he's going to be 34. And, uh, I don't know if you really want to count on him doing that for 16 games either. So uh, corner to me is absolutely the highest priority. Uh, and they could wait if they can get one of, uh, Marshawn Lattimore or Ryan Ramczyk or Marcus Williams, a contract extension and open up some cap space to sign one of these veterans to, uh, get like a one-year deal like a bridge deal and then uh worry about fixing the starting corner position next year um but i think the more reasonable prudent thing to do is to use one of your top two or three picks on uh on fortifying that defensive backfield uh because i you know we saw last year how good that defense can be if you have two really good cover corners on the outside I think they finished uh, number four in pass defense. They didn't give up a 300 all season. Um, they faced a lot of really, really good quarterbacks. Uh, so uh, absolutely highest priority in my mind.
0: Before I let you go, Luke, we always talk war movies or TV shows. Um, I never saw the 2008 film Stop Loss. Did you ever see that one? Which one was it? It's called Stop Loss. It was about a soldier that came back from a tour of duty and then arbitrarily was ordered to return. I think it was with like Ryan Felipe and and Joseph Gordon Levitt. No, I never saw it. I, like I I don't I never saw it either. But I, what I remember about it at the time, now granted this was like thirteen years ago, was that it didn't it didn't have great success at the box office. And some of the reason in eight was well, you know Americans when they see war movies they they in terms of returning home and the difficulty with that, you know, that doesn't do well at the box office. Um you know, and, and I guess they they like, you know, people like happy innings, but there's nothing really happy about war at all. And uh you being a veteran and we've talked about, you know, some of the older uh ones like Apocalypse Now or Platoon or things like that or or the deer hunter that really brought to life just that how difficult that can be. But um I never I never saw it either, but what's your take on you know war movies that maybe have too po- do you feel like sometimes there can be one that's just too positive of an ending or or not not like overall in terms of when you watch a war movie what do you want to see as a veteran when you're sitting down to watch it aside from just being you know entertaining and, and 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 having some kind of emotional response
1: well yeah i i think those those last two points are, are probably the most important um but yeah, I would rather see a a movie that that, that be a more realistic photo or or a picture. Um, yeah, I don't I don't want to see one that like glorifies war or uh, or makes it seem fun or whatever. <laughs> it's not right. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, I think that was probably uh, an issue in a lot of films about war uh, and. Yeah, I mean that's it's nothing new. I, you know, if you go back like well before uh, film ever became a thing, uh, you know, war is like glorified in, in in books or comic books or whatever. Um, you know, but I, I think I think we're getting a little bit smarter about that, uh, and I think a lot of the ones that have come out lately uh, have really shown the like psychological toll and. Oh. And how difficult it really is, um, or they try to. Uh, so yeah, I, I appreciate that, and I'm gonna have to I just want to uh, take a look after after we get off the phone here.
0: Yeah, I, I look. Um, I don't even know if it's good. I just what I remember reading about it at the time. It struck me as like where, where we're at just 13 years later. I think the approach from the audience is a little different, right? The audience. Might not watch a movie that 's perhaps more realistic or they might, but I think they're not they're more open to it, I guess you know i mean it just i don 't know this the the idea of the idea of, of 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 war and and patriotism and things like that, and everyone has their own definition um, and certainly I respect yours as a veteran, but I just think in terms of what 's accepted and what 's not is very different now than it was in two thousand and eight from Perhaps a larger um, group of individuals, if that makes sense. I mean, I'm not really worrying it yeah, great, but I think yeah, you know absolutely. where I'm going with that. You know,
1: no, I mean, you know, we're we're talking about we're, you know, 13 years later, and we're still on the same war. I think a lot of people have a lot of a lot of uh, different feelings about the whole experience now than they would have in 2007 or 2008. Yeah,
0: Luke Johnson has been our guest. Luke always enjoyed talking to you, man. I always appreciate you making the time. Buy Luke Johnson on Twitter if you guys aren't already following him, but you probably are, at By Luke Johnson, covering the Saints for the Advocate Timespeak Union. NOLA.com is where you can get plenty of his stuff as well. I know the draft is only a few weeks away, man. I know you're busy preparing for that and writing about it. I always appreciate the time, and let's chat again soon.
1: Always. And, hey, I have a suggestion for you. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, it's an Amazon series. It's called Patriot. Uh and it is incredible. I think it might be my new favorite show of all time.
0: I will check it out. This it'll be the next show I watch. It's got the Luke Johnson yeah. recommendation. I'm checking it out.
1: Yeah, it is uh it is it's a, it's like uh it's like Wes it's like Wes Matthews meets uh meets James Bond. Really? Fantastic. Yeah. Right.
0: I'm in. You sold me. I'm gonna watch it. We'll talk about it. let's chat next month and we'll we'll have to review it. Sounds good. All right, man, have a good one. You too, Scott. That is Luke Johnson. Don't go anywhere. Up next, we'll be visiting with Christian Clark. He is on the beat for the pick union advocate as well, covering the Pelicans. He's here in two minutes on ESPN 1420com and Oh, my baby's gone.